Hello and welcome to From the Top, I'm Alexei Korolev. In the uncertain world of swing dance, we are the show that's trying to find the answers. Some people try to pick up girls and get called asshole. It's never happened to Pablo Picasso. He could walk down your street, girls could not resist the stare. And so Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. In this episode, is swing dance an art form? Is it a form of entertainment? Is it a sport? Or is it an isolated specialism that blinds its practitioners to the world around them? Uh, yeah, it's a tough call, man. You know, I don't, I don't have any answers. I just like to reflect historically. That's Peter Loggins, one of the pioneers of the swing dance revival. We'll hear more from him later in the programme, but to start with, let's go someplace where dance is art, almost by default. I'm at the offices of the Impulse Dance Festival in central Vienna. Impulse Dance is one of the largest contemporary dance events in the world, taking place here in the Austrian capital every summer since 1986. My name is Marina Losen. I work for Impulse Dance since 12 festivals. So you are a choreographer by training? Um, I studied dance, contemporary dance. Um, actually, movement studies and performance in Linz at Ida. Yeah, there was, of course, some choreography, but basically I was trained as a dancer and teacher. Yeah. Firstly, would you agree that contemporary dance, and I'm, I'm just talking very generally, of course, there are many different forms in, and so that it is an art form? Yes, yes, I would say so, of course, yeah. Mm. Immediately springs to mind. Probably because of the seriousness, or the professionality of it. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I never, never thought about it, honestly. But and you yourself, do you consider yourself an artist? No, I wouldn't consider myself an artist. Um, people that we work with, of course, they are. Many of those are even performing at the festival, and others are really fantastic pedagogues. How does thing become a piece of art? For me personally, it's um, I'm always looking for something that makes me think. I don't look, like in art, I don't look very much for something that entertains me. The moment it's entertaining, I'm already moving away from thinking of it as an art work. So to you, whatever you know of jazz dancing, do you think that it's art? Or is it just entertainment? Like the first associations are Broadway, musical, show, of course. In this moment I would say yes, it's entertainment. I think jazz dance, like for us in the workshops, is very often um, sort of the, the entrance, the first door you step into. And jazz is more easily accessible than contemporary dance maybe for the first time, because people know it from the past. Maybe people like me had to do these um, jazz dance combinations in primary school. And jazz dance is much more um, connected to music. This it might be very often for people the first step into dance and trying out to dance. So yeah, there's a lot of loaded terms there that have a lot of meanings for a lot of different people and it might be wise to maybe 
build some distinctions about art and entertainment. Gabby Cook is a US swing dance instructor and performer known for her work with Nathan Bew, Bobby White, and Anthony Chen. She's thought long and hard about this. Let's think about Lenny Hop as entertainment. There are two forms of entertainment when it comes to Lenny Hop. There is entertaining yourself, which is maybe going out social dancing, and you being the recipient of that entertainment. And then there's Lenny Hop as entertainment for other people. And we see that in a variety of ways, in doing a performance at your local dance, doing a performance uh, with a bunch of friends for more of the Lenny Hop community. There is competitive performance, going to ILHC and doing a piece. Um, there is performance for the general public, private events, public events, and even within those, those audiences have different expectations. So uh, it might be a public performance where people are walking by and there's a performance set to a band and they're just uh, enjoying it, they're just walking by. There might be a performance where it's part of a program, like an academic dance program, and there is a certain sense of displaying the dance and informing or instructing your audience in a certain context under which it's seen. And then there are performances where uh, you're hired explicitly for a specific reason, like a, a corporate event or a wedding. And the reason why I describe all of these scenarios is that they create different opportunities for those that are dancing. Now on the beginning end of the spectrum, which is you going to a swing dance and dancing for yourself, well, there's no expectations. You're the deciding factor, whether it was good or bad, and no one's watching, or if they are, it's really not your job to make them happy. They're just watching you social dance. On the other end of the spectrum, um, and there's really many ways to go with it, but let's say you're hired specifically for a vision, there are some very clear determinants of whether you did a good job or did a bad job. Did you do the dancing? Did you look like a dancer? Did you smile? Did you look professional? Do you have nice costumes? You know, did you wow the audience? Um, and then further in the sort of art dialogue, what people expect art making is about, did you convey a mood or an attitude? Did you challenge the audience? Is challenge part of the dialogue? Did you create a, a feeling in the room? When it comes to art making and public performance or private performance, there are many ways to see it and art is not only in the eye of the beholder but in the intention of the creator. So when I'm dancing alone for myself at a social dance, I can go and set out to create bold ideas, to challenge myself to be in the moment, to create something powerful and interesting and challenging with no audience in mind. And I can call that art. And then I can also be hired by someone who says, I would like a four dancers at this Gatsby party and I want you to dance to Charleston. And I can do that for them. And I can have literally zero intention of being uh, personal or bold or original. Conversely, 
I can go out social dancing and just go through the moves and just exercise and do my kickball changes and my swivels and I can get hired for public performance and I can really give them a part of my soul and I can choreograph something that is wild and original and certainly it has to fulfill like the confines of the expectation of the client but even within that I can create something that means a lot to me that really sets the audience's imagination on fire. So it's not the context that creates the fact of it being art. It's the intention of the creator. Gabby pointed out some of the terminological problems that any discussion of dance will run up against. But of course there's the bigger question, one that has bothered mankind since the beginning of civilization. What is art? For the purposes of this program, we'll turn to our trusted, if a bit old-fashioned, Encyclopedia Britannica. It defines the arts as modes of expression that use skill or imagination in the creation of aesthetic objects, environments or experiences that can be shared with others. Dance falls under performing arts, a subcategory that also includes music and theatre. Now, in this context, dance is usually taken to mean ballet or tango or contemporary dance, never jazz. But is this fair? A question for Anaïs Sekine, a swing dance instructor and performer based in Montreal and one of a rare breed of swing academics. She's currently doing a PhD on the sociological aspects of modern swing dance culture. I don't know if we need swing dancing to be at the level of, of recognition as ballet has. I mean, it's uh, the divide between, you know, uh, high culture and low culture. I think people who can see the beauty in the dance don't have to make those kind of distinctions. You know, it's not about the culture itself. It's not about the art. It's more about what's around it, what's superficial around it. If we want to keep it a sort of street dance, that it's free in its uh, nature and its form, then I don't think we should get institutionalized. But then again, I don't have to live off of it. I don't have to make a living off of, uh, of dancing. Um, I think it depends on, on the purpose and on the needs of the people. I know that some professionals are looking to sell the Lindy Hop and to show it more, to be on the medias, to be in commercials, so they gain institutional visibility, maybe, um, because with um, recognition you get uh, money, and with money you, you, maybe you have more time to create things that will be, at the end, more artful. Uh, you will be able to create something that is your own, but until then, uh, you have to sell it first. Um, we, we, we make a, a big point about social dancing, and... Um, I think it's all about social dancing, for most of it, but um, there is a distinction we make when we talk about social dancing or popular culture, where um, we tend to talk about it as something that's um, part of leisure, side activity, so we don't consider it as art or as creation, whereas in popular culture, I believe that in street dancing especially, there is no distinction between the joy and the pleasure of moving your body and sharing with your friends and creating art. And so um, we, don't, we don't ask, we don't push our students to be artists when we teach uh, in studios 
or when we teach in you know, workshops. Uh, we teach moves, we teach ways to, uh, you know, work on your technique, uh, build your vocabulary. But um, there are very few classes that I took personally where I was pushed to find my own voice, to find, you know, tools for, to improvise, to innovate. Those are not very uh, uh, popular classes. You know, when you're left alone and you say, listen to the music and do something. People want to be directed more. You know, jazz culture is, is only about this. It's about uh, improvising, it's about um, being your own self, um, different from others, adding your voice to the community. And that uh, makes us not so much of a street dance anymore because there is this lack of innovation. I was, I don't know, if it's, it's maybe a bit naive, <laughs> but I was watching that Netflix uh, new um, series that's called The Get Down. And it really makes me want to create a get-down party with Lindy Hop. Because I feel like this is what it was about, you know? It's about, it's about your home, it's about your neighborhood, it's about representing the best of your people and having a great party, you know? Just like... We certainly didn't think of it as a sport. It was a way of life, you know? And what I mean by that, it was like night after night after night going out to different places following the bands with a small group of friends. Peter Loggins, and, uh, remembering. You know, I think I could represent and speak for most of the people that were going out, hanging out in Hollywood in the 90s in, in Orange County. To be honest, we all ra we rarely rotated partners. We all went out with our girlfriends. Peter is one of the second wave of old-timers, that's to say people who helped kickstart the swing dance revival in the 1980s and 90s. Over the years, he's seen the community grow and develop, and not always in ways that he liked. You know, so what we have is a scene in which that's just doing a lot of recreation. For the most part, they're reenactors, you could even say. Especially when they're using music from 19, you know, 39 or 40. A bunch of guys going out there and, and dancing to it, you know, and doing a dance from at that point. All right, I mean, it's reenacting to a certain extent. And then who's the best reenactor? That's an artistic judgment right there. And, and there is no wrong or right, to be honest. There's only uh, personal opinions as to styles, and everybody likes certain things. When they watch dancers doing something to, let's say, you know, jumping at the woodside, doing dances of the period, be it bow swing, shag, lindy stuff, and they're dancing to that same music of that period, well, some judges are going to look at that and see, who, who does it the best to that time period? You know, who's representing that, that style at that time the best? And then other judges are going to look at it and go, uh, who's the cleanest? Who's technically the most flawless? Who who's took it to the next level? You should be perfect by now. It's been, you know, it's been 80 years. We should be flawless by now. The air step should be 10 times higher now. And nobody's right or wrong. I've learned to accept the sporting element of these dances you know, and the uh, whole World Rock and Roll Confederation and, you know, team this and team, you know, there's actually government-sponsored teams in this stuff and whatever. I think it's fine. Why not? They can all coexist. Everybody should support everything. You know, there's always going to be this a street cultural style that represents uh, more of the artistic lifestyle. And then there's going to be always this other side to some other countries that enjoy this stuff and see it just as another, you know, 
yoga. I've had actually in, in Seattle, I did some classes with Mia and we would ask our our students, this would just be like swing basics, 101, no specifics, just swing. And so we would ask the students, okay, uh, now that you've come here, what, what does this mean to you? Like, why did you sign up for this class? You know, and, and what, what kind of music do you want to dance to? You know, the first couple would say, oh, I, we listen to, you know, whatever, the radio. Like, oh, okay. And then the next person would say, you know, it might be rockabilly music, you know, maybe get one person in the big band, and, you know, and then, and then we had one couple say the yoga class was full. So we decided to take <laughs> this, you know. So my point being was as a teacher, I knew where to send them. I, I knew, okay, these are the steps we're going to give you to get started in this. And then what you need to do is go check out this dance on Sunday night. You know, it's West Coast Swing. It, it's today's music. And, and you, that likes the big band. You got to go to Century Ballroom, uh, you know, Wednesday night. It's DJ music, big band jazz, Lindy Hop. And you, you know, you blues, you know, for instance. And, and then I said, but you got to come back and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Because I'm just guessing from the music that you're telling me you want to hear. You know, and most of the time they're like, yeah, man, that's totally it. So as a teacher, you just got to kind of push them in the right direction. You know, which, which swing do you really want? I mean, it is art. I think it's how we have been educated. We have been educated to learn about jazz as if it's secondary to modern or ballet, and that's just not true. Uh, Camille A. Brown is an award-winning dancer and choreographer and the leader of the Social Dance for Social Change initiative, aimed at establishing a safe space for black women as creative citizens. For her, there is no question that jazz dance is an art form, rooted in Afro-American tradition. Apologies for the poor sound quality. For me, dance is all things, and art can live inside of... There are many dimensions within art. There's the joy, there's the pain, there's the sadness. Um, and that all lives, and just because you're having fun, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not valuable anymore, because this was a way for people to communicate. The art of dance at one point was one of the only things that people could use, um, specifically the enslaved Africans, that was one of the things that they can use as a tool in order to resist or heal or protest, but also to celebrate and to honor and to communicate. So the swing of it, the joy of it, just adds to the nuance of this art form. And that's why I always go back to how are we being educated about these things? Are we educated from a very Eurocentric lens or are we doing it from another lens, from the African tradition? But as social dances progress, social dances progress. So we are seeing that progression, the Charleston into the um, kid and play. So it's not that things are, well, in terms of education, things are being lost. But in terms of our bodies and the histories that our bodies carry, people are continuing to push it to the next level. And social dances are also inspired by the political and cultural climate. So people are moving. We're, we're looking at the Dougie. We're looking at the Nene and the Whip. And we can track these back to some of the moves that they were doing in the 30s, or we can track it even further back. So the education of it is lost. But because this is rooted in such a powerful heritage, that for me can never be lost. It's just about activating it in our bodies. Let's leave it there. The question of whether something is art or not 
will probably never stop nagging at us. And while jazz dance may not immediately spring to mind when thinking of art, like any artwork, it is a source of joy and inspiration, both for those who do it and for those who behold it. That's all for this episode of From the Top. Thanks for listening. From the Top is brought to you by Iggy Hop. If you have any comments or questions or feedback about this or any other episode, be sure to drop us a line at contact at iggyhop.at or on Facebook. On our website, fromthetoppodcast.com, you'll find not only details on all our episodes and special features, but also a whole host of additional materials, including essays, photos and videos. So be sure to check this out as well. Oh, and if you're not a subscriber yet, subscribe now on SoundCloud, iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher or any other podcast app of your choice. Yeah. <laughs>